I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ. It's cold. It's snowy. My Keyshawn is in heaven because uh, all she wants to do is walk around in this snow because this was this is her Super Bowl. But it's not the Super Bowl for the NFL season yet, but to talk all things NFL as we do at this time each and every week. Mr. Evan Swords of 49ers Hub is here. Evan, good evening, sir. How are you? What's up, man? How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Made it back uh, to Knoxville from Atlanta. Went back home for a couple days. But uh, it was it got it started snowing when we were on the highway, so it turned into like a whole thing. We're like, oh, thank God I have an SUV and I have four-wheel drive that I'm going to make it through this. But uh, it was a very Christmas vacation, like uh, ending back to uh, my house here in Knoxville from Atlanta. So we made it one piece, and that's the main thing. Um, also here, veteran NFL writer, one of the best, Mr. Doug Kide is here. Doug, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. There's been I'm up here in Massachusetts right now, and mm. there's been zero snow, and it's been far less cold. It seems like than the rest of the country. So we'll we'll pay for it later. But so far it's been uh, so far so good with weather. How many yeah. Pats fans just assume you're just like a huge Pats homer or hater because <laughs> they just think, oh, he must be a, a Pats guy originally. We were talking before your your Washington State roots. Like how how common is that for you? Where people are just like, oh, there it's the Pats guy. It, it's kind of funny because I. When I was covering the Patriots uh, mm. as a Patriots beat writer for what, like eight years, whatever it was, mm. I I tried to play things as down the middle as possible. Obviously, mm. like you can sway one way or the other, but by playing things down the middle, you get it from both sides of being like, oh, you're a Pat's homer, like you're always <laughs> defending the Patriots, or mm. from like the biggest Pat's homers, they're like, ah, oh, you hate the Patriots, mm-hmm. like why do you even cover the team? So like. It's almost the worst of both worlds. Like, yeah. it'd probably be better to just pick one side or the other rather mm-hmm. than just trying to stay down the middle. But no, um, yeah, I, I was not originally a, a Patriots fan. Moved to the area when I was like 11 or 12. So mm-hmm. I was a Patriots fan for a little bit. But once you cover the team on a day to day basis, I feel like it's impossible to maintain fandom. Do you feel anything for the Seahawks still? Um, it's funny because I moved. I'm I'm old, so I moved in 1997 mm-hmm. when they still had their old uniforms, like the royal blue, silver, yeah. all that stuff. And then pretty shortly after I moved, and this was like before like Direct TV was all over the place and everything, mm-hmm. they changed their uniforms to those awful like multiple shades of blue uniforms. Mm-hmm. I feel like when a team like in that day and age, team changed the uniforms, like players are different, coaches are different. Like it's very easy to lose 
track of fandom. Mm. So I'm still a big Washington Huskies fan, mm. but like I follow the Seahawks because I have friends back there and family and all that stuff. But no, I, I don't have much of a, 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 a Seahawks fandom. You're all about the UW dog pound. Uh, oh, well, yeah. Evan's an Oregon guy. This is uh, this is going to be where it's quite. I think Tennessee <laughs> goes to UW in a couple of years. They just booked that for an out of conference opener. Uh, pretty soon. It's a tough so. environment. Yeah, right on well, Lake Washington. Loud. Yeah. Michael Penix know. Jr. is a lot of fun. No, oh, my, yeah. UW's had a they got a good thing going with Cam DeBoer. I, I like where uh, Washington's headed. Um, but we're going to talk some NFL, and I think we need to start. Um, with the Pats. And I want to pick your brain on this, Doug, because as someone who has not watched every single Pats game this year, I want to get your perspective because Evan's going to, we're going to, he's the only one of the three of us who've enjoyed watching the team that they cover or spend a lot of time with for the majority of the season. Uh, the Falcons, Patriots not making the cut there at the 49ers uh, in pretty good shape last I checked. So we'll save them for a second. But the, the Patriots, as someone who watches every game, what are folks missing that's tells the a, a good story of why this offense is so bad uh in 2022 I, like, they don't even know when to snap the ball like that that's <laughs> like it's the most basic premise of football mm-hmm. and the patriots are constantly taking timeouts before the snap delay of game penalties players don't know what they're doing on fourth and 15 in this last game mm-hmm. against Bengals. Um, with like 30 seconds left, whatever it was, like David Andrews, the Patriots starting center, snapped the ball on a passing play and just ran 15 yards upfield. It looked like a Madden glitch, like mm-hmm. like straight up. It, it, it made no sense why he would think that that would be a running play. Mm-hmm. And like, not only was the passing complete, but they also got penalized for an illegal yeah. man downfield. So like, and there's some some critics or like some some Patriots homeworks, I guess I would say, mm-hmm. um, who don't think it's a coaching and thinks that you can blame it purely on player execution. Mm-hmm. And like that's just a very convenient excuse of like, okay, every player is bad. Like it's the mm-hmm. most basic analysis that you can have. But I think it all just starts back with coaching where like players need to know what they're doing. Players need to be on the same page. Everyone needs to be on the same page. And yeah, Matt Patricia is the Patriots offensive play caller right now. It feels like he's just dialing plays up at random. Uh, Route spacing is all over the place. Um, There's no rhyme or reason. Like if it's third and four, wide receivers are running 15 yards downfield. Like nothing makes sense on offense right now. Pets heads are falling off. (laughs) Yes. Um, that's just it's so weird because you know like sometimes before the season like hindsight's twenty twenty with right. some hirings where it's like oh of course this didn't work like of course this was always going to be the case of course Marcus Marietta was not going to finish the full season he's never done it in Atlanta of course the Niners defense was going to be great with Bosa and company but then people just like to like sometimes there's surprises and people like to pretend that they knew all along that that's how the season was going to go. I feel like the Patriots offense was one of the ones everyone in national media and even fans were all like, oh, this is a bad idea. Co-OCs, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. This is probably not a great idea. This is going to backfire. And the whole summer was just, this is dumb. And you're reading the reports of like, this looks bad. And then it just happens. And it's like, oh, this was bad. And all of the summer concerns were validated. And you're like, what is going on with Bill Belichick? Because that's the biggest thing about all this, where it's like, why did he okay? And why did he think that this was all going to go something like, I I don't understand it. Like how much of this falls on Bill hiring poorly? 
Well, I mean, before the season, <clears throat> or maybe it was early in the season, he said that, like, if the offense does poorly, blame me. This is mm. my fault. I have ownership over the offense. So, like, I don't know what he wants us to do at this point or what he <laughs> wants, like, the meteor fans, like, to walk up to him and be like, we blame you, Bill Belichick. Yeah. But, like, ultimately, <clears throat> I think it does because he should have known better. Like, mm. like you said, the world knew better. During the spring, I'd heard that players were concerned because, like, plays hadn't been installed yet. And then once the summer came along, they're trying to switch up their system to, like, a Shanahan style with outside zone, but no one seems to know what they're doing. <laughs> and they drafted Cole Strange, like, partially to run, I think, some outside zone, but then they've still got a 380-pound left tackle and a 350-pound right guard. And it's like, I, I just, uh, I don't know. I mean, everything just seemed haywire. It is really bizarre that Bill Belichick would allow this to happen because... Yeah, I mean, the Patriots for years and years and years were the most prepared team in the NFL. They were prepared mm -hmm. for things five steps ahead that would never happen. And now, like I said, they can barely snap the football correctly. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. It, there are potentially easy fixes. I don't think it helps that Mac Jones isn't great. Um, I don't think it helps that they don't have great skill position players, that they're paying too much. Uh, but ultimately, I think that, I personally blame Matt Patricia and Joe Judge more than anyone, but it is Bill Belichick who put those guys in charge. Is the Mac stuff dirty? Can you tell me for sure? Like, is what's going on there dirty? He gets fined for the EI Apple uh, chop this past week. Is that like a real thing that they're going to have to like talk about? Like, hey, man, this is the the, the film is stacking Wait, up now on, that you've got to stop doing this. Are you asking if the play is dirty or is Mac Jones dirty? I'm say I guess it's really both. Like, well, it's is not, the play it's not though, right? Because the play is dirty. That's okay. pretty obvious. You, I mean, right? I I don't think so. I, I was I still have a group chat with old Patriots mm. beat writers. Half yeah. of us don't even cover the Patriots anymore, but we <laughs> still have our group chat. Mm. And I I said to them recently, like, I don't think Mac Jones can help himself. And like, <laughs> I I don't mean to like use that as an, as an excuse for him because like mm. he should know better. He shouldn't yeah. be raising his leg to like kick someone when he's sliding he shouldn't mm. be cutting out eli apple's legs but like i feel like he is so competitive that in those situations like he just does dumb things that mm. are dirty and i think that's like i want to win so i'm gonna do whatever i can but i don't think like i don't think he's consciously thinking like this is a dirty play i'm trying to like take out this guy's legs i think he's thinking i want to win this game or i'm frustrated or this this or this and that doesn't excuse it uh, i don't mm. think that that makes it better by any means but i do think that someone needs to figure out how to curb that because like opposing players are, are those things are going to add up like mm. him twisting brian burns leg is going to add up i think it was jaquan brister whoever he did he kicked when he was sliding like that's yeah. going to add up eli apple like the more you do this the more those teams are going to face you in the future and hold it against you it also doesn't it doesn't help that he just like a week or two before has a play where they have the most ridiculous fumble of all time at the end of the game. <laughs> and, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He obviously tripped. And I know it's not easy to like catch your footing when you're falling backwards, but like in a moment that was almost exactly the same, right? All you got to do is just get your body on him. He fell backwards and just like, <laughs> I'm helpless, right? And then here again, it's like now it's premeditated and he just throws himself at the guy's <laughs> knee. So like, d is that definitive? Does that give you the answer? No, but it really right. doesn't help when you're it, having the discussion. 
I did think it was funny because I think there has been a play in the past where like he's either tripped someone or like mm-hmm. tried to trip someone or something. And I'm, it, it was like funny to me. It was comical to me where like that was the situation where like get penalized, mm-hmm. trip Chandler Jones, like do literally whatever you can to get him down on the <laughs> ground. And like he just <laughs> fell down backwards. And it, like Mac Jones ate it at the end of the game. He said like I blame myself for not tackling him. And like mm-hmm. to some degree it's kind of funny because it's like, well, you're Mac Jones and he's Chandler Jones. And there's no way that you're actually going to tackle him. But like he could have done something more. Mm-hmm. He could have done one of the things, like you said, that he's done in the past that have been regarded as cheap. And like that was that was the time to pull that mm-hmm. out. <laughs> Not on a f- like non-fumble return when he's throwing himself at Eli Apple's legs. Yeah, it's so weird. The Pats, man. Like I just, I mean, you see the Bill Bel- Bill O'Brien stuff where it's like, oh. He's coming in to fix things. Like it's the savior. Be, yeah, and it's like I, I don't know if you've been watching a lot of Alabama this year, and I I'm telling you, Bama fans are like packing his bags for him. Right. Like it's not one of those situations where it's like, oh man, we gotta we gotta lock oh. in Bill O'Brien. We can't let him go back to the past. We we can't do that. It's like no, it's we'd a, rather get Jason Candle in here from Toledo. Like that's, that's just Alabama though. That's the the process. So you go mm-hmm. to Alabama, you get your so but the one thing I'm really curious about since you've covered the past for so long. Obviously, we know they're the dynasty. They're the greatest team of all time, greatest coach of all time, greatest quarterback of all time. And I say that as a giant 49ers fan. Um, looking at the team where they are now, you know, I, I feel like you've almost forgot how much money they spent in free agency. Like, remember all of us being like, yeah. oh, my God, look at all the money they spent. Like, look at all the help that they gave this team. And it's like, is this a bump in the road? Or is this something more? Like, it are, are are we maybe looking at the end of it all unraveling and the end of Belichick, he retires? Or, like, can they recover from where they're at? Well, I, I feel like there's a pattern now of the last three seasons where, mm-hmm. you know, Cam Newton comes in, they're fine. Like, they're a middle-of-the-road team. Last year, <clears throat> they make the playoffs, but still, they're a pretty middle-of-the-road team. I don't think anyone thought last year when they made the playoffs – that they would advance past the first round or get very far. And now there's this year where, once again, like even if they win out and make the playoffs, there's there's no chance that they're going to win in the first round or advance to the Super Bowl or do anything. So now there's three seasons in a row, and it's the three seasons where they haven't had Tom Brady. And their playoff win drought even extends back to 2019 as well when Tom Brady was here and they lost the Titans in the first round of the playoffs. Mm. So... I mean, I think that there is an out to this. I think that they can get back to being what like a, a contending team, but I, I don't know if it's next year. I, I do think like, you know, we can all make the jokes about Bill O'Brien and they're fair, but like you, you just need someone competent to make this offense decent next year. I feel like because they were good, uh, they were good enough last year. I think they were like top ten in EPA per play, and this year they're you know bottom five. So. Mm-hmm. If Bill O'Brien comes in, it's pretty easy to make things better on offense. And I can actually even foresee a situation where, like, he comes in, they're top 15, top 10, whatever it is, and then, like, maybe he gets an opportunity somewhere else. Maybe he becomes a a college head coach or an NFL head coach or, you know, does something else. So I almost feel like to fix the offense, they need to bring in two guys. They not Mm. only need to bring in Bill O'Brien, but they need to bring in someone as the quarterback's coach as well who – because, like – I don't know if you see a coach on paper turn one of the worst offenses in the NFL into a competent one, then that guy's going to get a lot of credit for that, right? So mm-hmm. I I know that yeah I know that Bill O'Brien isn't the most highly regarded coach out there, but 
I could see an, a team giving him a second chance as a head coach if he can pull things together in New England. I'm curious because it feels to me like the one thing I'll throw, because I think Belichick deserves a lot of blame for the current state of affairs um, this year, especially uh, with this hiring and just how he's allocated his resources, drafting receivers, um, how he prepared for post Brady. I think he deserves uh, his comments there. But where I will say that, like, the Spurs are going through the exact same thing in the NFL or in the NBA, where, like, they have been pillaged for a decade you just go up and down the list where it's just oh, yeah. so many front office guys so many coaches just being <laughs> taken away like there's just so much loss because other organizations have picked and taken the Zieglers of the world the robinsons of the world mm-hmm. the brian flores the josh mcdaniels that like i'm not surprised that it finally added up to where it's like belichick's looking around because he's not an outside the box hire where he likes to keep right. his guys that like he's now down to nothing like he's down to no none of his main lieutenants they're just all gone but it even goes to ernie adams was like his timeout sort of analytics guru up in the mm-hmm. coach's booth he <laughs> retires yeah. dante scarnecchia the offensive yeah. line coach for the last 50 years whatever it is he retires ivan fears the running backs coach for the last 30 years he retires mm-hmm. nick casario who was helping casario out too, yeah. josh mcdaniels on offense like doing some of the personnel things doing some of the timeout things uh substitution he moves on to the Texans. so like i don't think yeah it's it's certainly excusable for the Patriots to have fallen off a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I also think that either you needed a better plan behind those guys, because mm-hmm. it wasn't a mystery that at some point Josh McDaniels was going to leave, or like you just said, you need to make an outside the box hire. You have to make an out of organization hire. Um, that's not, you know, two guys who ran a defense and special teams before who don't know what they're doing on offense. Mm-hmm. And and that was part of the problem this, this off season is that, Okay, so Josh McDaniels leaves for for Las Vegas, and he brings over like most of the Patriots' offensive coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Bo Hardegree, uh, their quarterbacks coach, was an assistant quarterbacks coach last year. Mick Lombardi, the Raiders' offensive coordinator, was a wide receivers coach. Carmen Brasillo, the offensive line coach, was the offensive line coach. And at least in Brasillo's case, he still had a year left on his contract with the Patriots, and the Patriots allowed him to leave. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if Matt Patricia wasn't trying to be the offensive line coach and the offensive play caller right now, something that no one else in the NFL is doing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think his life would be a little bit easier, right? Like at least the offensive line would still be in good shape. So that's where I still blame Bill, where it's like, even though he lost a lot of guys, you still have to question his method for replacing them. That's the thing that I kind of look at where I'm like, you know, you look at Mike Tomlin post, his two Super Bowl wins, right? Mm-hmm. And he held that ship together for, and still has really for a long time. You know, after Bill Walsh, obviously there was George Seifert and there was a plan, right? And there was, a, you mm-hmm. know, there was like a, a breakdown of what to do next. And I don't know that you can really ever take down Bill Belichick to the pegs that we might be discussing, but like, <laughs> you got to look at kind of what's happening here and being like, well, that's a pretty big you know, that's a notch and however you want to level it out. Like on top of all the coaching things, it's like, yeah, he lost all these coaches, but Oakland's terrible too. So, I mean, you know, whatever. My big thing is like, it's still going to come down to Mac Jones. Cause yeah. is that, is that guy that's going, is he going to lead you out of, you know, maybe some 
moves you have to make as a, as a coaching staff or obviously trying to figure out how, who's your offensive coordinator to get to be right. like maybe they can bring somebody else uh, one of the towel guys in to do it or something like uh, <laughs> yeah i mean the mac jones situation I don't have an answer to it, unfortunately, because I don't think anyone really does. Because Mac Jones was pretty good as a rookie in mm-hmm. 2021; like he was the best rookie quarterback last year. And then he which takes wasn't this... saying much, but you're no, right. No, it wasn't. No, absolutely not. Um, because obviously Trevor Lawrence had an excuse for being bad, and Justin Fields had an, like everyone had an excuse for being right. bad. I do think that Mac Jones was put in the best situation. But this year, I mean, Trevor Lawrence lost his head coach and offensive coordinator. Justin Fields lost his head coach and offensive coordinator. Um, Zach Wilson was really the, I think, the only one who got to keep his head coach and offensive coordinator, and he's the worst one. But still, like other guys had difficult situations this offseason and have overcome them this year. And Mac yeah. Jones has gotten considerably worse. I do think that Jones has played a little bit better over the last few weeks. Uh, so that helps. Maybe that like gives him some, I don't know, upward trajectory Lever. heading into the offseason. But I do think that you have to look at that he still has limitations. And maybe this is, I think you give him one more year with a competent offensive coordinator, but if he doesn't reach that year one potential and even exceed it, then I do think that you have to look to find another quarterback because he's not doing enough right now to overcome some of the issues in New England. He does still have some arm strength limitations. His accuracy hasn't been that great. His decision-making has improved, but early in the season, he was turning over the ball a lot too. So it seems like they're having a hard time finding the balance between him taking risks, but not turning the ball over, him you know, making, I don't know. It seems like they're just finding a hard time finding out what Mac Jones can actually contribute this year. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. There is a very realistic possibility that next year they decide to hire an actual offensive coordinator and just like Doug, you know, Peterson being able to show Trevor Lawrence what some stable coaching looks like. There's a, there's a world where Mac Jones kind of gets back to where, where we're used to, but it's, it just, there's a lot of shaky pieces right now. You know, it's not shaky Brock Purdy mania over there in San Francisco, Evan. Nothing shaky about what's going on with Brock. The the Iowa connection, who would have ever thought? Not in my dreams, wildest dreams, did I ever think a Hawkeye and a Cyclone would become the best of friends. <laughs> yeah. And yet, the Cyhawk connection is just <laughs> flourishing in San Francisco. George Kittle and Brock Purdy, yeah. yards after the catch, a tradition unlike any other. No one's tackling him. No one's stopping him. You never know which way Brock's looking. You never know which way he's going to throw the football. Everything coming up Niners. It's yeah. unbelievable to watch what's going on in San Francisco right now, Evan. It's insane. And, like, I can't stress it enough. It's so much more insane than we're talking and, you know, discussing it being. Mm. But we're all saying out loud, this is insane. Like, I can't stress enough. As a 49ers fan, you're like, okay, hopefully he can just do enough. And then he comes in and he does more than enough. You're like, mm. well, that in itself, that's that's pretty strange, but we're not going to complain. And then he comes in and he starts, like, having really good mobility. And, like, he moves super well in the pocket. And you're like, rookies don't do that, but we're not going to complain. Let's all just be quiet and hope that it doesn't burn down. And then all of a sudden he starts hitting George Kittle. And you're like, well, George Kittle hasn't really been useful in this offense all season uh, and we all just thought that was Kyle's fault. And as a Jimmy supporter, I'm like, hey, man, Jimmy didn't do that. So then we're like, okay, well, this 
makes no sense at all, but let's all be quiet because let's not, you know, we don't want to <laughs> jinx it. And then he then George Kittle starts just catching touchdown after touchdown after touchdown, and the offense is flowing, and you're like, you're like looking around for Ashton Kutcher. And you're like, am I being punked? Like, it doesn't make sense. And we're all terrified because it's like, it's like, is this a house of cards? Is this going to come crumbling down? I don't want to say anything. I don't want to make any adjustments because it, we're too close to the Super Bowl now. <laughs> and it's just like, it's so great to watch it happen. And, you know, I, like I talked to you about, like, I remember when I was on the mountain and I bumped into Sage Rosenfeld who coached him and trained him and obviously, you know, played under Kyle. And he goes, I'm telling you, man, I don't know. But I think a lot of people are going to be very surprised by how good Brock Purdy is. And I was like, sure, man. <laughs> that's your okay. guy. You got to go to bat for him. Right. But, yeah. I, like, but that's what I was thinking. Like, you trained him. Like, I'm mm. sure he's got a great, you know, hardest, hardest worker in the room. <laughs> and then I watched this guy for two games and I'm like, Holy shit. Like, I don't know what to, like, I, I wish I had more words and I don't want to ramble, <laughs> but like, I, I see the 49ers as in a place right now where they have the best defense in the NFL. It's not even close. If you look at the overall DVOA numbers, they have like 30%, 36% DVOA and the closest to them is like 26%. They're firing on all cylinders in ways that I have never seen any team other than maybe the Chiefs uh, under their Super Bowl run with Patrick Mahomes. And they didn't even have a good defense. I I, 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 I don't want to jinx it, but there's not a better team in the NFL right now than the 49ers, and I don't think that it's close. Every major marquee playoff contending team has taken bad losses or had, like, you know, the Cowboys have had 30 points scored on on every single game they've won the last three games against bad teams. And so I'm, like, sitting here as a 49ers fan, and I'm like, Looking at everything falling into place, and I'm like, it's too good to be true. This can't be happening. I can't take another Super Bowl loss. I can't do it. I can't do it again. I can't have my hopes raised, but like that's where we're at as 49ers fans. We're now at Super Bowl or bust territory. Nothing but a Super Bowl win would be would be good enough. What do you think, Doug? Do you agree with this sentiment? I well, I think that the Brock Party thing has definitely been interesting because when not to bring this back to the Patriots, but when the Patriots <laughs> had Brock Purdy, uh, mm. Brock Purdy, uh, Bailey Zappi at mm. quarterback for what three weeks, like I, I had asked a bunch of people around the league, like, what do you think about you know Bailey Zappi? Is this sustainable? All these different things, <clears throat> and you can even talk about like Mike White as well. Some of these other quarterbacks, like at some point, teams figure it out. And, like, it usually takes two or three weeks for a new quarterback, if he's having success, to come back down to earth. For mm. Brock Purdy, what is it now, like, four weeks that he's mm. been, nah, like, riding I mean, high and playing well? That. Like, he, it's three weeks as a starter, and then plus he played a bunch of snaps in the mm. game against um, Miami as well. Mm. So, like, I feel like we're almost past that point where a defense would usually figure out the new quarterback who's having success. And if anything, I feel like Purdy's actually playing better as his starts have gone along. So I still think that there's some cautious optimism about the way that he's playing. I think that there had maybe been times when like there's a, a few balls that should have been turnovers and whatever it is. But one thing that's surprising to me is that I don't think that the 49ers are really doing anything that different schematically with Brock Purdy than they were with Jimmy Garoppolo. They're, at they're least doing as more. As, like, 
They're like, doing yeah, more. as far as like yeah, they they're like they haven't changed their downfield passing that much. They haven't changed their play action. Um, they haven't changed, you know, the screens. They haven't changed. Like the pressure's been about the same. The situations have been very similar for Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy, and. Obviously, yeah, the offense is firing on all cylinders right now. They're playing better with Brock Purdy. And I feel like maybe this is more damning to Jimmy Garoppolo than it is anything mm-hmm. else. That, like, I, like, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo was a pretty average quarterback. Um, and maybe that's what Brock Purdy is as a rookie right now as well. And that you didn't need, like, that there wasn't going to be a massive drop-off between Jimmy Garoppolo and the next guy. And, you know, in the past there has been uh, with C.J. Beathard and some of the other 49ers quarterbacks who have come in, but even those guys have had some success early on. So I think it's also a testament to how good of a coach Kyle Shanahan is that, like, the system can keep running, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo or Brock Purdy back there. The one thing, uh, to your points, a lot of the, the discussion, rightfully so, has been Brock Purdy. It's been Kyle Shanahan, the offense. It's you know been the, the, the skill position players. I don't know if there was anyone less confident in the Brian Greasy hire at the beginning of the season yeah. than me. I mean, you know, not to be a traditionalist, but I'm sitting in there like, you're hiring a coach that has zero <laughs> coaching experience. Right. I'm not a scientist, and I certainly didn't graduate college, but the math doesn't work for me there. And... You know, I, I've actually I've 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 talked to some of the beat writers myself, and I'm like, hey, why aren't we asking these questions more? And they have at times, but like, I'm a big common denominator and variable person. What are the variables? What are the changes? What's the same? And there's a lot of common denominators. There's a lot of things that have stayed the same throughout this process. But one of the biggest changes has been getting rid of Rich Gangarello, who was uh, pretty much across the board considered a bad coach all things considered. Uh, he went to college. No one knew why someone would go to college after an NFL job. And, you know, he, he got played, fired after a year. He got fired after a year. Right. So they bring in Brian Greasy. And is that just because it's going from negative to like even just a net positive? Who knows? But now, like you mentioned with Jimmy, Jimmy has had his best season this year that I've ever seen him play. And yep. I think it's notable. It's not just like, oh, he's doing a little bit better. Like he is doing things that everyone said he couldn't do. He's ma- he making plays that everyone said he couldn't make. And now all of a sudden you have an undrafted, you know, almost an undrafted free agent, the last pick in the draft, come in. And he is not just playing game manager football. He is literally threading the needle in between three defenders. He is getting the ball to Kittle, which other quarterbacks like Jimmy couldn't do. And does Brian Greasy need a little, little credit here? Like, does he deserve more credit? Or like, there's a, I'm just... Once again, uh, yeah, I'm waiting to see what happens. It's it's kind of making me wonder if more teams do this now, actually, because Mm. you've also seen Mark Brunel have success with the Lions and kind of turning things around with Jared Goff over the last two seasons. And Mark Brunel didn't have coaching experience. If he did, it was like at the high school level or something. Like Mm. he was a retired NFL player who did media and then was a quarterback's coach. And that's pretty much the exact same thing you can say about Brian Greasy. So I almost feel like, are teams taking the wrong approach with a quarterback's coach of having Bo Hart agree as your quarterback's coach or having like these these guys who haven't played the position, who rose up through the ranks as coaching assistants, wide receivers coaches, whatever, then you like reach the ascent of being a quarterback's coach. 
I feel like teams should be hiring like Kurt Warner. Or they should be hiring mm. Dan Orlovsky. You're hiring these guys who have played the position at a high level because clearly it's worked with Brian Greasy. It's worked with Mark Brunel. And I think it's worked with, with some other guys as well who have you know had that experience and know what they're doing there. I I wonder if that's a trend. It seems like it's a copycat league, and uh, we'll right. have to see if that's uh, – but who would have thought that hiring a competent uh, quarterbacks of the past would know what they're talking about when talking <laughs> with uh, quarterbacks of the future? It's like – Zach Wilson not having a rookie around or a vet around in the quarterback room. You're like, how do you just overlook basic stuff like that? Like, <laughs> okay. how is Joe Flacco just not in this dude's like ear from day one? Like, how do you just have no vets to help this guy along? And that's yeah. not to say that that would have changed his the ending for Zach Wilson in New York, but it certainly may have helped a little but bit early a good on. Start, yeah, yeah, you want to start well. Um, in terms of the Falcons, they've officially been eliminated from the playoffs. Um, I, I'm reduced now to this point, uh, guys, to watching Nate Tice just break down Des tape where he's like, oh, there's, there's a little something here where he, uh, he found Drake London over the middle in the Ravens game on, uh, on Saturday afternoon, and which was one of the more affi- poorly officiated games I've seen in a long time. And Arthur Smith is uh, just an incredible uh, guy to follow when uh, things are going awry for your team because the man, it, he puts his uh, emotions on his sleeve. He wears them on his sleeve. And he has had a reason i mean this year alone you have that game on sunday i think they still were going to lose that game regardless but you have the grady jarrett personal foul roughing the passer that flipped the bucks game where i mean just one of the all-time worst roughing the passer calls on uh, any any player and it's just i don't know what to think of this falcons team right now because i think des has shown enough where he's so smart that i'm sold on that portion of the game where I'm listening to him talk and I'm just like he's just like 37 years old. The man is a veteran and I understand why they were talking about it this summer with Des where it's like Is that just like a you are aligned with him type thing therefore you like him? Like you're both like old as hell? We're both old as hell. Um, He looks significantly older. We're not in the same skincare uh, routine unfortunately. Uh, (laughs) My man Des is looking like he's 43 in the face. Like he's got a very chiseled like I've seen some stuff face. The man's (laughs) not sharing that part of uh, our daily routines and personality types but like he said to uh kelly price uh who covers the falcons for fox 5 he said um the biggest thing he learned sunday was he get antsy to get rid of the ball when in reality i probably had a little bit more time back there take a second and let the picture develop so like he's the opposite of zach wilson where zach wilson is like not even thinking about that at all he's not thinking about oh i've got to get the ball out quick because this is a really really fast game like this is he's just getting blindsided by dudes just coming in like they should be in his peripheral vision he should see that something's coming he needs to get the ball out quick riz uh desmond ritter has that and you see it i mean he had a couple near picks in the new orleans game last week and this week he was a lot more settled i think but he's all about getting the ball out quick not making bad decisions and kind of a game manager type but you see the big throws. He finds Drake London when he needs to. Um, Drake London doesn't fumble last week. Who knows uh, how that one ends. Um, but we haven't seen him with Kyle Pitts yet. I want to see that. And he just, I don't know. He's just, he sees the game really well. He's learning on the fly. Like, hey, I don't have to be as antsy and try and get the ball out as quick as possible. And there is stuff downfield if I trust my receivers a little bit more and I just trust my offensive line a little bit more that I can actually keep the ball for a little bit longer but I think you want the young quarterbacks to have that timer in their head where they're like get the ball out quick do not take those hits to get the ball out quick 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 
and that's good. So I think I've seen enough where I'm like, I don't think the Falcons can take a quarterback in the first round next year. I think he has shown enough that I'm like, you can see how this works um, with this group. And also Tyler Algier is just an absolute monster and an absolute delight down the stretch here. And I've, I'm all in on the Tyler Algier stuff, but I don't know. Is that a similar read to what you have on the Falcons as they go into another offseason where they did not make the playoffs, uh, Doug? Yeah, and I actually, I feel like the the Falcons have actually kind of exceeded some of my expectations mm. this season. Um, I would have bet on them getting eliminated from the playoffs even earlier than they mm. did. I thought that they were going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL just based on their roster construction. It seemed like they were like, all right, let's take a year, figure out what's going on. And so they, they've been fine, and um, obviously it helped that they were in the NFC South, and that's what helped them get eliminated so late but no I like Desmond Ritter I talked to him actually before the draft and he mm-hmm. was someone who struck me as being you know very mature I had heard that he interviewed really well which was not a big surprise yeah. after after I talked to him after you see some of his interviews and everything like that and I think that yeah when you when you take a quarterback in the third round that allows you to have some options heading into year two like if mm-hmm. things are awful things go awry then you just take a quarterback again it's no skin off your back you only Mm -hmm. took him in the third round but it also still allows you to have some upside at that position uh, as as you know someone who's taken in the third round it's not like he's a late round pick or anything like that so no i i think that they they've bought themselves one more year or he's bought himself one more year where he can head into next offseason competing for the job but it's also a really interesting year for veteran quarterbacks because you've already mm. got, you know, Geno Smith, you've got, um, you know, maybe Daniel Jones. Like there's like 20 starting caliber quarterbacks or 15 or something like that hitting free agency. But then there's also guys like Derek Carr who might become available and Carson Wentz. Not that anyone would want Carson Wentz as a starter, but like even like Ryan Tannehill, what happens mm. to Ryan Tannehill next year? And obviously there's the connection there with Arthur Smith. So I feel like, I feel like the ideal situation is the Falcons add other talent in the first round, get some sort of veteran quarterback to compete with Desmond Ritter heading into the offseason and then just i guess run it back with kind of the plan that they had this year but hope that you've got a better option as that veteran quarterback than marcus Mariota, or hope that desmond ritter can play better than marcus Mariota did this year and also just hope that armstrong is not ever needed uh, in coverage i it just <laughs> it's i jot it down in my notes every week where i'm like oh 22 is on the field like they're gonna target uh, 22 <laughs> like the poor guy off the practice squad just should never yeah. be in an nfl field and i don't know what the passer rating is when targeting uh him but it's it's 130s no doubt like the man just yeah. it's a walking completion and it drives me up the wall that we're just at that point where it's like we just have nothing else in the secondary the yeah, I mean, first of all, that that definitely speaks to you know the amount of talent they had in heading mm. in this year. The Arthur Smith being combative with the media thing has yeah. been pretty fascinating to me over the last two years, because it's not the biggest market, obviously. Like as far as like the amount of beat writers that are on mm. the beat, like that are there, but like Atlanta is a big market. Mm. I'm I'm curious to see how that goes for Arthur Smith moving forward. Uh, to be as combative as he is, to be as argumentative, because I don't know if it does you many favors if you're going to be heading into year three as a struggling head coach. I think that, um, I don't know, I just feel like he needs to curb some of that one way or the other. But I, I'm, I'm curious to see how it happens. Like, maybe it works out for him. But yeah. I, I do think that, like, 
coach relationship with media is kind of sneaky important sometimes. Mm. Interesting. Who have you heard the worst? Who do you think is the worst at this? Outside um, of Bill. <laughs> outside of Bill. Um, well, I don't think that like, I don't think that Matt Patricia was very good at it. Yeah. I think that, you know, when he was like s- telling media members to sit up straight, like, but, <laughs> but that's what can happen. You know, is that like, mm. like if, if you get on the media's bad side, then mm. they don't give a shit about writing negative mm. things about you. And then obviously like the fan base can pick up on that as well. And that's how things go really south. I'm thinking, uh, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like, it's tough to pinpoint some of the worst coaches with the media right now. Mm. Um, Bill is obviously pretty bad, but I don't know. That's an interesting question. I, I, I honestly feel like like some of Arthur Smith's exchanges with the media are like so unhinged that like <laughs> like he's up there when he's like when he's talking about like Twitter bots and like mm-hmm. like some of that stuff. The conspiracy, like I, that's just like it's wild to me that a head coach is like is going that far. It seems like he has curbed that a little bit as the season's gone along. Mm-hmm. But early in the season, I was like, what is this guy doing? Like you don't need to be you don't need to go this far with it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what helps is the running game's working well, uh, and there's progress. Like Drake yeah. London looks like a steal. The offensive line's played significantly better than the talent uh, to, that you would think with the talent that they have. Um, I think they're still heading in the right direction. But next year's mm-hmm. a big year for this group. I think they have to be maybe not a while. They need to be in the wild card conversation in week 17, like they or week 18 right. now. Like they have to be on the bubble. Uh, I think they w- ownership would understand because that's what people forget is like. Arthur Blank's one of the more patient owners in sports Mm -hmm. and he does not, he's very loyal, a very, very loyal guy. He gave Dan Quinn longer than he probably should have been the head coach. Mike Smith the same way. Um, I I just, I don't think a a change is happening anytime soon for Arthur Smith. I think he's probably going to get five. Uh, I think Blank wants to do that kind of thing, which is good. Stability. Um, It's not good if you're like, wow, this, I wish you were a little bit more cutthroat because we're really dragging this thing out when it's clear that this is not moving in the right direction and we better suited uh, going the other way. But I don't know. We'll see with the Falcons. uh, Just another season that's just been so boring. Falcons this year have been one of the more, the last two years, it's just boring. It's not a scene, it's not a team that you see pop up on like NFL Red Zone. No, I feel no. like like you've no. got to like you've got to like find the Falcons. You know, like mm-hmm. it's not something that's gonna like come to you. But um, let no, me just I, say, I, you don't yeah. have to find the Falcons. I don't <laughs> recommend that. I don't them. suggest that. Yeah, I would actively like... do the opposite if you can. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you see the Falcons coming <laughs> your way down the street, evade the Falcons. Please, yeah, yeah. go to the other go to the other sidewalk. Um, as far as I, I thought about this for a second, as mm. far as head coaches that are bad with it, yeah. I feel like Cliff Kingsbury is kind of bad with the media. Cliff Kingsbury mm. constantly lies to the media, and it doesn't matter because the Cardinals have like one beat writer, so no one notices. Ken like, Summers is doing his best, man. <laughs> Seriously, it's like, like the Popeyes worker in the the uh, tournament. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but like Cliff Kingsbury will say for four weeks in a row that Kyler Murray is going to be a game-time decision when, like, <laughs> Kyler Murray doesn't play for four weeks in a row. It's like, well, how is he a game-time decision four weeks ago? Mm-hmm. He's My still favorite, not playing right now? Well, so I, I don't know if this has anything to do with that, but I remember this midseason – uh, my buddy who lives in Phoenix, he's, he's nobody. He's just a, he's a comedian. Yeah. Uh, but he gets his hair cut at a barbershop that football players and coaches do. And he texts me one day and he's like, Kyler Murray hurt himself this week not playing football. Oof. 
And I never said anything because I was like, I don't care about the Cardinals. Like, it doesn't mean anything to me. But then I did proceed to see him, like, pretend like, oh, well, Kyler's, you know, it was the the week that Kyler had, like, the headset on and, you know, was calling plays and stuff. Right. And I think that they did, I mean, I I don't have any proof, but I think they actively were, like, trying to hide that he, like, I don't know, maybe hurt himself on, like, a four-wheeler or something, like, stupid like that. And, uh, yeah, I, I... it literally lined up perfectly with all of that. And you know, if you're Cliff, maybe you're just like, I have to lie. Cause right. I don't want, I don't want anyone to know that Kyler hurt himself punching a wall after he lost in call of duty. Like, you know, <laughs> right. whatever, whatever it may be. Well, we never I, know. I mean, and you yeah. hear those stories like bum Gardner. He had a lot of crazy injuries. Tatis junior for the pods. He, um, he was a four wheeler, I think, uh, the first mm-hmm. time in, la- uh, the, uh, all allegedly, by the way, here, we're throwing all well, that out. Xavier for McKinney picks. did hurt himself on a four wheeler and like, uh, Xavier McKinney, the giant mm. safety. So did the, the, like the Seahawks guy. Or something like that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. How was so, it not no, in the contract? I mean, Ben Roethlisberger on his motorcycle, uh, right. that was one years ago. Like how are these not in the contracts of all these players now? Just like standard. You're not allowed on any ATVs like immediately. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't even be. think about riding ATV. No, no call of duty true. either. Um, no. You can you can strain a hamstring playing Call of Duty somehow. I'm sure you that's can. possible. Evan, yeah. have you ever gotten injured? You're a big gamer. Have you ever gotten injured actually playing a video game? No, God, no. But there have was you ever a... thrown a controller like through a wall? Have you? Are no, you a rage I'm, quitter not, no? I'm not like that. No, but no. there actually, it's funny you say that. There was a guy uh, about a week or two ago. Just the video went viral because he was streaming. Mm. Uh, he dislocated his kneecap because he got mad and he jumped up and started stomping <laughs> on the ground and he dislocated his kneecap from doing it. So was yes, it Kyler? Was it Kyler? <laughs> Uh, allegedly, no, <laughs> no, but yeah. So I, I think that uh, that it definitely can happen. Once again, don't recommend it. Yeah. Um, that just seems like such a crappy situation all around. Like just a oh. marriage all across the board. That no one's like ownership, yeah. front office, head coach, quarterback. None of it's good. All of no. it's bad. Well, the, they're constantly yelling at each other on the, on the side. Yeah, too. none of this like, is good. Like Kyler, it seems like has a has a quick temper. DeAndre Hopkins has like a no nonsense policy. Cliff Kingsbury gets in the mix, and then like yeah, their GMs on a leave of absence. They have to fire their offensive line the, coach. The funniest, that was in by the way, the, yeah. It's did nuts. you hear that? That was literally like a, a case of mistaken identity because it was actually Keem. That's like, what someone's claiming. I have yeah. no yeah. idea though. Yeah. So like, this, just, this everything's the, weird. We have no the, idea what's going on there. Like, this what? is the also because, hilarious. like I said, there's there's one beat reporter there. So like <laughs> like no. No one can even write about what's happening mm-hmm. there because no one in Arizona cares about the Cardinals. So well, and even it all still, goes back to that. It is literally a. It's like you know, it's like Succession. You know, the TV show where it's just like everyone is miserable. They're all bad. <laughs> They're all bad. Like no one. Yeah. Like, none of them are likable. You don't want to root for any of them. So it's just constantly like Kyler being like that guy sucks and it's like right. yeah you know you're not wrong steve keem does <laughs> suck but you're terrible too you're like a miserable person and right. he's like eh, kyler sucks is like yeah he does suck plays a lot of video games but you know you also are an alcoholic allegedly that's not even allegedly he's got multiple duis i can say that yeah, it's it's a bad situation it doesn't help that kyler and cliff kingsbury share an agent too and that's it's yeah. just like yeah it like it was a situation set up for like even i mean they hire a head coach who was fired as a college head coach who was about ready to take a college offensive coordinating job it's like oh i wonder why this didn't go well um, wasn't it usc he was trying to yeah, hire he was gonna was go to usc that's he'll probably just... be the patriots offensive coordinator next year or quarterbacks no he's going to alabama it's it's the True. That's, yeah that's the cycle yeah yeah 
That's there fair. you go. You got to be Alabama. He'll be an analyst, making two fifty, yeah. uh, just mm-hmm. in an off-field role. Um, JJ Watt, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer in five years. Uh, we're gonna look at it. it's twenty twenty eight is the first time he can yeah. uh, make mm-hmm. the hall, right? Um, Evan, your favorite JJ Watt memory or quote, or what is uh, what are you gonna remember most about JJ Watt, the football player? Without a doubt, it was his speech as a Texan when they were like five and eleven, and he was up at the podium and he was like, basically, you know, I paraphrase because that was one of the best speeches I've ever heard. But he was like, I give a shit because of the fans. He's like, these. He's like, I make so much money. We make so much money. These fans. We're it's week 16 like we're not making the playoffs and they're still here every week They're sending me messages on Twitter. You know, they're like, hey, I believe in you like kill it. Good luck tomorrow Like he's like these people spend their hard-earned money. They care And he's like, how can you if how can you not come to practice and try every day? How can you not work out? How can you not do the homework? How can you not care? when you know when they do and it like it was what you know, JJ Watt has always been a man of the people. He's always been a, an incredible player. The, the moment he's allowed into the Hall of Fame, they will be pushing him in, <laughs> carrying him. You know, uh, I think he's I think he's one of three of the best uh, defensive players of our lifetime that we've all watched personally. You know, obviously, Aaron Donald, him, um, he's so good, and he's man, such they can a go in together. Person. I just realized they're probably going to go in together. They might. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah that's, that speech, I think, was probably my favorite moment. And there's so many, right, like on the football <laughs> field that you could give. But that speech was like, that's, that's incredible. Um, for me, uh, pretty good. dude, Doug, was just that <laughs> the photo of him in the, in the whatever it's called, in the Arctic, where was he when he's just, like, taking the little ice bath in the – where was that? Do we know? Where was he? When he was doing that was that just wisconsin like he was just back in wisconsin doing that wisconsin yeah where yeah. do you know what i'm talking about the picture of him just in underneath where you go ice yep. fishing and he's just yeah. taking a little ice bath in there like it's no big deal just the, the watts are built different that's like one of those where it's like oh that's uh, I, I okay i guess he's a human being like me but it seems like we're we're built completely differently he's not he's not nah. a human being like you be, he's not <laughs> i i mean he weighed more than me in sixth grade you know mm-hmm. he's like lifted yeah. more than speaking of the baby's head is gigantic the baby's <laughs> head is a full size like you seven talk- and five eights already like he's that baby is going to be a football player you talk about him as a first ballot hall of famer 22 years from now that kid <laughs> is going to be literally this nfl sack leader there's no, no doubt about it in my mind that was the first thing i saw when he's announcing it i'm like that cannot be the baby's head and you just like zoom in it's like this it's huge like it's it's wild uh but doug what about you uh with jj i i don't know if there's like one specific moment but the I, well, first of all, J.J. Watt was like the Aaron Donald before Aaron Donald. Like mm. He was the absolute best defensive player in the world for like five straight seasons. Basically, like could not do anything wrong on a football field. He was absolutely incredible. So, yeah, like he deserves every single bit of flowers that he's getting. Absolute first ballot Hall of Famer. Should be unanimous. We'll see if that happens. But the I think that J.J. Watt kind of benefited from his somewhat lack of self-awareness and the fact that like, like if you think of the word Hardo, like JJ Watts, probably the first person that you would, that would like come to mind. I don't know if Mm. people still use that word or not, but like, he just like with the whole, like he was the guy who was doing the workout routines. He was the guy doing like the box jumps. He was the guy who like, like kind of did all, but it also raised his profile. Whereas Mm. I feel like 
Aaron Donald is the best defensive player in the world, but he's just not as out there as J.J. Watt was. I feel like maybe we don't feel the same way about J.J. Watt if he didn't put himself out there as much. If he wasn't like like trying so hard to, to prove to people like everything they did, the the hard work they put in, everything like that. But no, I mean, he's, he was absolutely incredible. He was a complete dominant force every time they stepped on, on the field. It's unfortunate that injuries kind of derailed you know this the back half of his career but i also feel like when you're built like jj watt and you're as explosive as jj watt and you're as big as jj watt like there's only so much that the human body can contain and i feel like that's like why he got injured as much as he did because he's so explosive at the size that he is so yeah i don't know if there's one specific moment but like he's he's incredible he's the man let's never forget to also just just the 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 view or the vision of him having this like bionic you know, brace on mm-hmm. his arm that he was constantly just terrorizing pass rush, you know, <laughs> right. like quarterbacks while also like looking like his arm was being held together by wires and, and, you know, metal. Like he's one of one. What? He had a weird situation coming out of high school or like being recruited or something, right? Where he like, wasn't a top recruit. I don't know. Doesn't that I don't seem, remember that. I, I think, I don't know. I'd have to look into it, but like, that's amazing to me is that like, I, I think that, yeah, he started off at central Michigan. It's mm, like, yeah. how how did people miss out on J.J. Watt coming out of high school? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, how was this guy a two-star recruit? I, I don't know. That That's an amazing part of his story, too, that he went from a two-star recruit going to Central Michigan to being, like, the absolute best player in the NFL. Antonio Brown, Central Michigan, where, like, you yeah. watch the Central Michigan-Georgia game from so many years ago. I remember watching it, and it's like you just started, and you're like, this dude's just cooking. This Georgia maybe, dude. How is maybe. this dude... Yeah. They were just paying a lot of money to players back then. <laughs> Maybe that's how they got just JJ Watt Antonio Look, if Brown, there's one thing right? I know, it's Dan LaFever and the Central Michigan Chippewas. They know how to evaluate. They're player personnel and player evaluations. That's why you got Jim McElwain up there now. They know what they're doing. They know how to find the diamonds in the roughs to, to get things started there. Butch um, Jones, another uh, former Alabama coaching assistant. Yes. I Butch mean, Jones, it's a Central tradition Michigan's. unlike any other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nathaniel Hackett was let go. Um, year one coach we've talked Doug this uh, this season where it's like there was a chance where you're like you're looking around the league and you're like there's three year one head coaches that you can make the case should get fired Dennis Allen probably saved his job of late but still iffy yeah. um, still yeah. iffy to this point Todd Bowles with what's happened to the Bucks uh, year over year we were like man we just might need to do a clean start once uh, Brady because I'd, I'd be very surprised if Tom Brady is a Buccaneer next year just do a full tear down there and then you're looking at um, Nathaniel Hackett where you're like, I just, I don't know how you bring this guy back. I don't know how you run this thing back and you sell it to the fans. And then he's gone and you're like, wow. And this is what I said before the year in the AFC West where people were like, oh, they could have three or four playoff teams. And I'm like, that's never how this goes. Someone's <laughs> going to have the season from hell. I don't know who it is. I Evan and I went back and forth because I was like, the, the Raiders are going to finish around 500. And they're going to be really close. I'm like, McDaniels cannot go like 3-14. and 14. And with right. Adams and with Carr, like I just don't see the path to them being that bad. My coworker Max Crosby doing the Lord's work over there on the edge. But like, the Broncos made the most sense. Outside of the Chargers, yeah. who the injuries... Uh, being what they are you're like uh, just penciling in the charters for the playoffs it's a mistake and penciling in just health and getting it together it's just i you can never get me to sign on for that no one had it going this bad though like i thought like six and eleven was bad year one but it was so bad and getting cooked by baker mayfield and the rams the way they did cam Akers, who we thought might just be not an nfl running back anymore three touchdowns and just 
absolutely obliterates the Broncos. It probably should have been it when you have the Denver home fans just like helping you along with the play clock where it's like it's counting down and they're treating it like he's Giannis Antetokounmpo out there and you're like this is probably a mistake this is when we need to move on like this is unacceptable for an NFL franchise to have the fans chanting along because you cannot snap the ball in time um real remedial stuff and you're like I don't know what the future holds for the Broncos like if you just put the Texans logo on these helmets you're like oh my god the Broncos, this organization, and everything, this looks like an absolute dumpster fire. Like, how do you get out of this? This is a really, really bad situation. Why would you want this job? Doug, should Sean Payton or a big name want this job? I don't I don't think Sean Payton should. I, mm. I think that, first of all, Sean Payton making his bones in New Orleans. Like, I go back to small market, not a ton of pressure on him there. I feel like he's better off going to Arizona or another smaller market team than Denver. I mm. think there's too much media pressure. And I just don't think that you want to deal with Russell Wilson. I think that mm. Russell Wilson is like one of the most difficult players to deal with in the NFL. And if you're Sean Payton and this is your comeback and this is probably your last job in the NFL, I don't think you want to tie yourself to Russell Wilson at this point because he also just showed so many limitations as a quarterback this season that were you know, masked pretty well during his days with the Seahawks and maybe the mobility fell off more this season. Maybe he just, you know, got uh, regressed a little bit more, but no, if I'm Sean Payton, I I don't really want to deal with that. I think that, I think that what Denver needs to do is if they can't get Sean Payton, which I don't think he should take the job. I think that they should go back to something that worked and hire Dan Quinn and then bring in Brian Schottenheimer as the offensive coordinator. Like, like I think that even though maybe Brian Schottenheimer I don't know how much he'd really want to deal with Russell Wilson, but I feel like he can turn around Russell Wilson. He knows Mm. what works. Like go back to what was proven with Seattle and, and try to run that back as best as possible. Even if it's 85% of it, even if it's 80% of it, 90% of it, because like Russell Wilson was like a shell of himself this Mm. season. He was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, which I certainly didn't foresee happening. I didn't know if he was going to be an MVP candidate or anything like that. But, like, you, the number one priority, even more than your head coach, needs to be to fix Russell Wilson because you can't get out of that deal. He's the way that that offense moves forward. The defense is still in good shape. The defense is going to be in good shape next year as well. You just need to fix Russell Wilson. So, I don't know. If I'm Sean Payton, like I said, I'm probably going somewhere else. I'm even considering going back to the Saints. But to your point on the first-year head coaches, like, yeah, I think Dennis Allen could be out. I could see a situation where Todd, like Todd Bowles, I don't think deserves to be head coach there in next year. And like, who knows? Even Lovey Smith, like, what have the Texans done this season other than being like somewhat competitive against some good teams? Where like those the teams that simply just promoted their defensive coordinator to head coach, I think that that does give them a pretty easy out to then eliminating that coach after one year. The Texans are out here running Driscoll. Mills two quarterback system like this is Chris League Tim Tebow and for the it's Florida wild. Gators in 05 like we just moved on from like that's what they're running like that's happening they're just running the two quarterback system of like the running quarterback and then the passing quarterback like that's a normal thing an NFL franchise should be doing right now I yeah first off respect Jeff Driscoll 49ers <laughs> legend okay was he a uh, niner I feel like he's yeah, a niner. Rosters, okay. he was literally one of my favorite little well, of all the stupid like 49ers legend tweets I have he was probably my favorite because he was like six round draft pick 
like a backup of a backup in like 2011. We're like, hey, maybe he could like have a decent career. And then he immediately left that year and has just constantly been a backup. I mean, he's been around for a decade. Mm. God, God bless. I mean, he's going to be an offensive coordinator for like the Jets in seven yeah. years. Like oh, the yeah. man's going to be around forever. We're just going to be like Jeff Driscoll still cashing those checks. Shout out so to him. The one thing I do want to say as much as Russell, I mean, no one loves to hate Russell Wilson more than <laughs> I do. I will never forgive uh, the Broncos for allowing the Seahawks to so efficiently reset after losing their Hall of Fame quarterback as they have done because now they have a top three pick which I'm hoping to dear God, they draft, uh, you know, like another Zach Wilson. No, um, it's going to be Jalen Carter, Will Anderson. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But anyways, <laughs> the Broncos have Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, two of the two best wide receivers in the NFL. They have Patrick Sertain, who's one of the best corners, maybe what, probably top three, top two right now. He's just incredible. Um, you know, you think about Justin Simmons, they, like they, Greg Dulcich, Dulcich is like a really exciting prospect to tight end whenever they figure out the quarterback situation, whether it's Russ not playing terrible or someone else. So I don't know. I think the stink of this year's Broncos is maybe clouding our judgment here. Like, why would Sean Payton not want to go to that type of talent with a quarterback who at least at one point was a Hall of Fame level quarterback? If you're Sean Payton, you're like, take me where the talent is. I'll clean the bullshit up, and we'll go from there, mm. right? Like, he can bring in, what, Jameis Winston's probably going to be uh, a free agent, right, this year? Like, Tom Brady? Dude, can you imagine Russell Wilson getting cut after the first year? I mean, it's not absurd. Look at Matt Ryan. Look what they did with Matt Ryan in that cap hit. You think they wouldn't do that for Russell Wilson if they just wanted to get rid of him? I, it's, I don't know if they physically can. Like, I think yeah. they can, right? What's I the think cap next year. I think they. What's weird with the Wilson cap hit is it's significantly more after next year, not this year. This year, it's a, it saves them money. It next year, it's like goes from like forty to sixty million cap hit. I think it's yeah. it's something bonkers where it's forty to sixty. I think in succession. Over the cap, a, always absolutely a, like murder. A standard computer, release. Uh, no, a standard <laughs> uh, release of Wilson would be practically impossible. It would be an $85 million dead cap hit if they cut him after this season. You might got to do it. I'm just saying. And you don't have your pick, so it's only like you can really draft his replacement and like bring in real competition that way because you can't use more resources there. You don't have a first-round pick. What if he brought in Tom Brady and Russell Wilson was the backup? Would that not be the most? In- so I don't want to get into. Well, all I don't these think any of these veterans guys like that are wanting to compete with Russ. Like they're not walking in to go join. Well, that I think circus. if Tom Brady came in there, he would not be competing with Russ. He would, you know, in that Russ would think it's a competition, and I don't think anybody would enjoy that. I, that you know, Russ, Russell Wilson talks to himself in the mirror when no one's looking, so I don't really care about. Hold that on, part. we already have Brady getting ready to go to New York. Like that's what we're waiting on. Brady is the Jets quarterback. Or you mean that's what the if, world needs? You, so first off, that's what you want, but the likelihood of that compared to Jimmy Garoppolo is like non-existent. Jimmy mm. Garoppolo will be going to the Jets. I'll bet that over Tom Brady for anyone that wants to take that bet. Now yeah, that said, Jimmy I, to the Jets, Brady to the Raiders maybe. Brady oh, to, Brady's going to the Niners. Niners maybe. Well actually yeah. now with Brock Purdy, no. I don't know man. What about Trey Lance? <laughs> Can you just pick a quarterback no, in no, okay, San Francisco, before, Evan? Well, before Brock Purdy it was the most logical thing period because you bring mm. in Brady because you can't right. bet on Trey Lance at this point whether you wanted to or not. Yeah. Uh, but now with Brock Purdy, who knows? Um, maybe you just flip Wilson and Lance. You just but, get Wilson uh, as your long term backup in San Francisco. I, 
I don't want to get into the hypotheticals because I don't mm. think it's necessary. But what I will say is this. I think the Broncos have a very uh, favorable team for anybody that wants to come in and take over. Um, no. The biggest question that I think everyone should be asking, and we should be doing it loudly so that maybe it does check his ego, is can Russell Wilson check his own ego? Can he look at this objectively and go, wow. I suck as a person <laughs> and as a player for once in my life and like learn and get better. Or is he incapable with that ego? And he's just going to go into next year Broncos country. Let's riding all the way into another four win season. I mean, he needs to like, we'll know if he's changed. It's like Richard Sherman and him pop in on a podcast together. That's when we know nature is healing is when they do a show. Together. I don't think Russell will. Uh, do you think Sierra is ever going to get to a point where she's like, okay, it's been fun, but now you're really screwing up my reputation. So get your <laughs> ass out there and stop acting like an idiot. I don't I, think so. I'm not sure if he, I don't know if he can have self-reflection this off season. Like mm. we'll see. I just think he's such a different guy. But I think that he can still be successful if they change the coaching. But, like, I he became a problem in Seattle. I don't think all the messaging out of Seattle after he was traded was like, oh, Russell wanted out, Russell wanted out. Like, they were just as sick of Russell Wilson as he was of the Seahawks. And I think after this season, we've we've kind of seen the reasons why that was the case. So I don't know. If I'm Dan know. Quinn, I'm not taking this job. Like, you get one more shot if you're Dan Quinn. You get the, This right. is it. You get one more. And I don't think I'm betting my – coach head coaching future in this league on russell wilson the i think you can blame rehabilitation him you can, tour you can blame russell wilson and then get rid of him and then give yourself another chance but it's just risky yeah no it is it is it's a risky job the defense I would is great wait. but like if yeah. you're dan quinn i'm waiting on a better job i think he's doing he's got a really good thing going he's in a unique spot in dallas right like the dallas defense isn't going anywhere i think mm-hmm. with micah parsons and company that like he can wait wait it out i mean he could also just wait it out for dallas like mike mccarthy to fall down and him be the the next guy there which i think could is be a better sean job. Payton in dallas yeah losing the playoffs yeah exactly so i just i don't know i think it feels like a leslie frazier stop to me Oof. That's that's my gut. Is yeah. I it's weird because you're saying like the principal owner or CEO is the guy leading the search yeah. the report. It's not George Payton. So you're like, right. okay, well that's not a good sign if you're a not candidate. A you're like, who's running this? Are the Waltons running this? For the Broncos, like, if would George Payton just pulled off the deal for Russell Wilson before yeah. they took over? So like, I don't think you can then trust him to also hire the next head coach. And he wasn't hired point. by this ownership group. Nope, he wasn't. Yep, he wasn't, and neither was Hackett. So yeah, so I th- the only one that they've really tied themselves to is Russell Wilson. Yeah. the contract that they gave him. It's a mess. I think Denver is a bigger mess than people might be uh, might be letting on. Um, we'll end on this quarterback movement. We mentioned a little bit Lamar, Brady, Rogers, and Carr. The the four that I'm most interested in right now. If you had to guess where the big four go, Evan, where are they playing football in 2023? Wait, so Lamar mm-hmm. stays with the Ravens. I think I I, I wish he wouldn't, but mm. I don't think you can have that type of relationship and not. I hope he doesn't. Uh, Brady, you know, it depends on how the season goes. I still think the the 49ers is where he wants to go. And twice now we've, we've had a young quarterback in Jimmy and now Brock. Maybe potentially block that from happening. Uh, what was about the third? Uh Brady Rogers. I don't think Rogers leaves just because I mean, I can't believe he's still there right now. I don't know. Maybe Hackett comes back and they're a happy family. And then the fourth, 
Uh, Derek Carr. I hope he, for all of our sake, I hope Derek <laughs> retires. I hope he retires and he can go pretend to be a cowboy in Fresno, uh, where there is neither no cows nor farmland. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, Derek Carr is probably going to end up in o- staying in Oakland, mm. and the head coach that comes in because why well, I would I would assume. McDaniel's gets fired, mm. um, or if he doesn't, like if McDaniel stays, he's gonna be like, I can do it with Carr. If mm. he gets fired, they're gonna be like, well, this Toyota Camry in the driveway, like it's got a two hundred thousand miles and it kind of is weird in third <laughs> gear, but like it's reliable. I mean, I'll use it until I get a better car. Like I don't think he's leaving. I did a car analogy without even knowing I was doing a car I, analogy that, for car. That's I swear to God, it's big time. It's next level. By the way, that is the big what you said big four. Other than Lamar Jackson, that is just a disgusting group of quarterbacks. <laughs> that is a I mean that could uh, swing a lot of stuff here. Tom I Brady is old mm-hmm. and Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers is really high. <laughs> <laughs> um Doug, where do All you right. see the four going? So Lamar, I've got staying in Baltimore. I don't think they okay. let him go. I think they give him the franchise tag. Rodgers is a tough one. Mm. It's either Green Bay or retiring, I think. Um, Just because I don't think there would be a lot of benefit to the Packers for trading away Aaron Rodgers. Carr, I'm going to go Houston. Hmm. Going back to where uh, David Carr started his career, I think Derek Carr still thinks favorably of the Texans. Derek Carr's got a no-trade clause, so he can pick his next destination. Mm. And Brady, I'm going to go Raiders. I'm going to say that he'll take over for, for Carr. Josh McDaniels will try to uh, run it back with Tom Brady, fix things. I think it benefits Brady to go somewhere where he would have some familiarity as well, a coach who would trust him. So, yeah, that's uh, that's mine. So Lamar, Baltimore, Rodgers, Green Bay are retiring, Brady, Las Vegas, and Carr, Houston. I'll also throw out I think Jordan Love is gone. I don't think Jordan Love is back for Green Bay next year. I think Do we really need to discuss where Jordan Love goes. I think he's a starter <laughs> somewhere. Some team is going to talk themselves into Jordan Could Love be. as a starting quarterback. I think he's going to get you're going to see him as a week one starter. It's going to be my guess. I don't know where, but I think it's going to happen. Um, I'll say for my four, I think Lamar ends up in Washington. I think he is a commander next year. I think wow. they go that way where they're like Rivera's ready to win now. I think the relationship in him negotiating for himself and just the way this is gone, I yeah. don't think it's good. And I think the franchise tag, I, <laughs> that's what they should do. Cause like Lamar should, he like, I wish Lamar could do like the, just a gigantic one year deal after one year deal and everyone be okay with that. Where it's like, when this ends, it's going to be terrible. We'll pay you whatever you want this particular year. Cause we, we believe you're good enough to win a Super Bowl. It right becomes now. the Darrell Revis of the quarterback yes, position. Yes, just like that. That's kind of what he is. Hire assassin. Um, but I think he leaves. I think this relationship is uh, nearing its end. So I'm going to go Lamar to D.C. for a needy team, um, a QB needy team who thinks they're a quarterback away. And with the defense and with their playmakers like Terry McLaurin a lot, Brian Robinson looks pretty good. Um, they might be right if they think they're a quarterback away. Um, I say Brady ends up with the Jets. I think Aaron Rodgers returns or retires. I actually think he retires. I think Rodgers retires in Green Bay. I don't think he wants to keep losing like this on his resume. So I'm going to guess Rodgers retires because I don't think they'll trade him and they'll move on from Rodgers in that way. And then I think Derek Carr ends up in Tampa Bay because I think Tampa Bay is like, oh, we can just, we'll move on. We'll pivot. We'll get another veteran, plug him in, 
and we'll make this work. We'll we'll be a little bit better, and we'll change uh, head coaches, and we'll see what happens with the with this group. That's that's my gut. I yeah, I like that. I I and Tampa Bay fans, like no offense to Tampa Bay fans, there's not mm. a lot of them. Like any other fan base would be like, we're going from Tom Ray to Derek Carr, but the Buccaneers, like, unfortunately, I feel like they'd just be like silently hating it but wouldn't make much of an impact they're like brad johnson won a super bowl for us like right why why couldn't uh, Derek carr yeah. um doug what can the good folks check out from you uh on the nfl writing front this week uh yeah uh follow me uh, on twitter at doug kide i'll be writing a f- couple pieces for uh the analyst.com i think uh russell wilson piece coming up soon um and then i also do a patriots podcast called called pat's chat so if you are a Patriots fan, check that as, check that out as well. There you go. Evan, 49ers Hub, all that good stuff. What do you want to plug before we wrap up here? Yeah, go ahead and uh, make sure to watch Avengers Infinity War <laughs> one more time before the year ends and follow Doug. Yeah, mm. that's, there you that's go. Doug, this was great. Thank you so much for making the time this evening Seriously. to join the program. Uh, this was great. And uh, we'll have to check back in again soon. Absolutely. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Take care. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.